Good morning and Happy New Year. I was going to introduce myself to you this morning, but I believe Nick did a good enough job for that. Um, if I have not met you yet, I just want to let you know that Jenna and I are really thankful that God has called us here to Old North Church. If we have not met, please come introduce yourself to me. Um, just so you know, I go by either Kyle or Pastor Kyle, or as Nick and Chris have affectionately labeled me, Pastor Hoff. But as we start this new year, what a gift it is that we can start it in the house of the Lord, gathering, singing his praises, and opening up his word together. And I invite you to do just that. I invite you to open up your Bibles this morning to Psalm 138. That is page 521. Uh, in your pew Bibles, uh, but as Pastor Nick said, we're starting a new series on the book of Psalm, and uh, Nick told me I could preach on any psalm that I wanted to, and there are 150 of them, so I had my pick, and I picked this psalm, which God has used to influence my life, especially over the past few years. Well, before we read this psalm together, let's pray and ask the Lord for his help and his guidance this morning. Let's pray together. God, as we just admitted, it is a gift that we can gather here this morning. God, it's a gift that we can come on the start of a new year and worship you. And God, as we come to you this morning and as we read your word together, as we dig in as a church family, God, we pray that we do it humbly. And God, we would ask this morning that you don't only fill our minds with knowledge, but that by your power and by your grace, you would use your word this morning to transform us more into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. God, that there would be more people in Old North Church who look like Jesus. God, we love you and we thank you that we can do this this morning. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Well, this psalm is a psalm of David written by King David. And we are going to read it together this morning. Let's start in verse 1, Psalm 138, verse 1. I give thanks to you, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down to your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. Verse four, all the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Verse seven, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. As we, as, we re, as we dig into these verses over the next few moments, these eight short verses that make up this psalm, we are going to divide them up into three short sections, and we are going to see, as, as David cries out to the Lord, we are going to see that humility toward God 
leads to worship of God. See, this psalm starts out in verse 1 with David humbly giving thanks to God. Now, this is not half-hearted, obligated thanksgiving that maybe you have either witnessed, received, or given over the Thanksgiving and Christmas holiday. You know what I'm talking about. When your family is around the table and, and someone has a bright idea that everyone should say something they're thankful for. And someone has an answer where it's obvious they didn't know what to say, so they just said something. It was half-hearted. Or maybe this was a situation in your family over Christmas where a gift was given, and maybe the shirt was the wrong size, or the sweatshirt was the wrong color, or maybe worse yet, the jersey was of a different sports team than this person actually liked. And either you or the person receiving this gift said thank you, but it wasn't wholehearted, right? It was obligated. They bought this gift for me, so I must say thank you. This was not the case as David started writing this psalm. If you look down in your Bible, we know this is not the case because he says it. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. Now, before we get going here this morning, you might be sitting there like I was when I first read this song, probably saying, what does it mean that he is saying, before the gods, I sing your praise? Well, theologians talk about what that could mean. Some people think that David was praising God before the angels. Other people think that David was praising God literally before false gods. Other people think David was praising God maybe before the rulers of, those, of that day that were looked at as gods. But rather than getting caught in what is um, ambiguous, what is cloudy, let's focus on what is crystal clear here. David is thankful to the Lord, so much so that it flows out of his life into praise towards God before other people. Right, when we are truly thankful to God, we cannot keep it inside. It must flow out. And as we look at David's first four actions here in this psalm, we see that they are filled with humility. Starting in verse 1, the very first words of this song, I give you thanks. Thanksgiving is a sign of humility because you are acknowledging that someone gave you something that you didn't have. The second action of David here, he says he sings God's praise. We know that if praise of God is going to be done correctly, it cannot be done with a proud heart because we are acknowledging that we are praising God, a higher being than us. As we continue on here, the third action of David in verse 2, it says he bows down towards your holy temple. We know that the essence of bowing down, if, if, if someone is going to bow down, they are making themselves low as a picture that the person or being that they are bowing to is higher. That is a sign of humility. And the fourth action of David here in this first section, verse 3, on the day I called, we know that if you're calling out to God, if you're calling out to someone, it is an act of humility because you are admitting that you need something from someone. And we see here that in this first section of this psalm, it is filled with David being humble. Because humility toward the Lord leads to worship of the Lord. Now it's important to note here as we're looking at these verses that oftentimes when we're thankful for something, 
is thankful for an action, right? Thank you for doing this for me. Thank you for running this errand for me. Thank you for making this food for me. I don't know what you're thankful for, but usually it's for an action. See, when we read this text here, before David was thankful for anything God did, first he was thankful for who God is. Before he was thankful for any action that God made, first he was thankful for characteristics of God. Look down at verse 2. He's bowing down towards your holy temple and he says, and give thanks to your name, why? For your steadfast love and your faithfulness. These are two characteristics of our God. Our God's love is steadfast. It is loyal. But our God is also faithful. We serve a faithful God and we're thankful for that. So David comes in thanksgiving before God, first for who God is, but he doesn't stop there. He continues, and he's thankful for what God has done. Now, I don't know about you, but if if you could think right now while you're sitting there in the pew, if you could thank God for any of his actions, I wonder what you would be thankful for. Now, you can be thankful this morning that this is not our high school youth ministry, because at this point, if this was the case, I would start saying, someone raise their hand and share what you would thank God for. And you can especially be thankful, because I'm the type of youth pastor that if you don't raise your hand, I would call on you anyways. Some of the high schoolers in here know that. But rather than trying to figure out what we would thank God for, the one action that David is thankful for God for, if we look down in our Bibles in verse 2, He says, for you have exalted above all things your name and your word. Out of all the things he could have thanked God for, he says, God, for you have exalted above all things your name and your word. Church, as we start this new year, as we start 2017, I have a question for you. Is God's name and is God's word exalted in your life? Or another way to word that question, if God exalts his name and his word above all things, are these things exalted in your life? Now, I'm not just talking about Bible knowledge. I'm not just talking about having more information in our minds. I read some fascinating statistics this week from the Barna Research Group, a respected research agency, and they said in in the year 2016, this past year, out of all the American adults who own a Bible, which probably would be many of us in this room, each of of us average 4.6 Bibles in our household. I wonder how your house compares to that number, 4.6 Bibles. This research summary also reported that most Americans, including a majority of young adults, believe that the Bible has been more influential on humanity than any other text. It continued to say, I find this fascinating, it continues to say that almost half Americans, now to be honest, I didn't know how many Americans there were, I had to Google it, there's over 300 million Americans That means over half Americans, about 150 million people in America, read this book at least one time every month. 
Now, I'm not suggesting to you as we start a new year that by you reading God's word one time a month is enough to become spiritually mature. And I'm not even saying that all these statistics are really that good, but what I am saying is that we have plenty of Bible knowledge in America. I believe that you have plenty of Bible knowledge in your life. But Bible knowledge is not enough. It reminds me of what the evangelist D.L. Moody said centuries ago. He said, the Bible was not given for our information, but it was given for our transformation. See, church, if the Bible is going to be exalted in our lives in 2017, then we need not just to read and to memorize the Bible, but by God's strength and by God's power, we must apply it. And church, that takes humility. See, if humility toward God leads to worship of God, because when we read God's word, we must submit to what it says, right? And it looks like when we read words, like for instance, when Jesus said, you must love your enemies. I don't know about you, but that doesn't come natural to me. Right? And we must read it not with our own agenda, but we must read it submitting in humility, saying, you know what, God, you know best. Or maybe for some of you children who are in this service this morning, and not only children, adults who have parents who are alive, what about the, the command where it says, honor your father and mother? I don't know, but I take a guess that a lot of the kids in the room, that doesn't come natural to them either. I won't ask for hands of parents to see who agrees with that. Right? It must be taken in humility. Or how about one of the commands where it says, do not covet? Right? Did God really know when he gave the Ten Commandments and said, do not covet? Did he really know that my neighbor was going to have the car that he has? Right? Did God really know that someone else in our church has the quote-unquote perfect family that I'm not supposed to covet? Right? Of course he knew that. But we don't come to God with our agenda. We come to God in humility because we know that humility leads to worship. And as David continues here into the second section of this psalm, he continues and takes the attention off of himself and he puts it onto a very interesting group of people, all the kings of the earth. He continues here in verse four. He says, all the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord. For they have heard the words of your mouth. Now, I don't know about you. I currently don't know any of the kings of the earth. I've never met President Obama. I've never met any of the kings of other nations. And none of us, obviously, have met any of the kings who were the king when David wrote this. But what we do know is that if the kings of the earth were going to give thanks to God, that's going to take a huge dose of humility. And what I love about this psalm is David says the reason he does that, the reason the kings are going to give thanks is not because one of their advisors told them to give thanks to the Lord. The kings weren't going to give thanks because it was the right, you know, we're in, a, we're in a, a group of people that want to do this. No, look down at your Bibles. Why are they going to give thanks to the Lord? It's because they have heard the words of your mouth. Yet again, 
God's word is exalted. And what I love about this is this thankfulness that the kings are giving towards the Lord, just like in David's life, it overflows to singing. Look down in your Bibles. For all the kings shall give thanks to you, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth, verse 6, verse 5, I mean, and they shall sing the ways of the Lord. For great is the glory of the Lord. The characteristic of God that David gives this time is not God's steadfast love. It's not God's faithfulness, but it's God's glory. Now, all of these kings who were on the earth, they were going to reign for a certain amount of time. And just like you and I, they were going to live, they were going to be born, they were going to live, and then they were going to die. Some of their dynasties went on farther beyond when they were dead. But what we know here is that their glory could not compare to the glory of our God. The God that we serve, as David says, his glory is great. Now, if we had, if we had time this morning, as Pastor Nick said, we're starting a new series here in the book of Psalms. If we had time this morning to look at all 150 Psalms, and don't worry, we're not going to do that because I know most of you would leave before we got done. And I also know Pastor Nick would never let me preach again. But if we could do that, what we would see is a repetition through the Psalms, not always looking at the kings of the earth, but looking at God as the king. A few instances of this, they're going to come up here on the screens. Starting in Psalm 93, 1, one of the translations says, The Lord is king. Another example is Psalm 95, 3. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. One last example is Psalm 96, 10. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. David paints a picture here that the kings of the earth are giving thanks to the king, which is an act of humility. Now, as we think of this idea of God being the king and we think of the idea of God's glory being great, it reminds me of what the prophet in the Old Testament says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. Church, no matter what you do this year, no matter what accomplishments you have, no matter what we do as a church together, our glory will never compare to the glory of the Lord. And that's a good thing. So where does that leave us? What do we do? Do our lives matter? Of course they do. What are we supposed to do next? Well, I love this. David thankfully doesn't stop in verse 5. He continues to verse 6. What are we supposed to do, church? Well, it says in verse 6, For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. I don't know about you, but as I start this new year, I want to be close to God. And what this verse explains is if we are going to be a people who are close to God, we must be humble. We must be low. I mean, the language that he uses yet again is very clear. God is on high, and he regards the lowly. 
But those who are haughty or those who are high or those who are lofty, it says he knows from afar. Church, we don't want to be known from afar from God. We want to be close to him. And if that's going to happen, church, we must be humble because humility of the Lord leads to worship of the Lord. This is good news for us. If you feel low, if you feel disqualified, if you feel like people in the world do not give you the time of day, you are not high and exalted. You are the perfect example, the perfect applicant to be close to God. I don't know if that's you, but that is good news. As David continues this psalm, as we transition into the last section of this psalm, it is clear that David lived his life in a way that he drew close to God in humility. You ask, how do we know that? Well, yet again, just like earlier in the psalm, his language is very clear. He's honest about the situations that he has in life, and he's honest about how he got through them. Look down at the beginning of verse 7. He says, though I walk in the midst of trouble. Right? That's not sugarcoating it. That's not painting it to make it look better than it is. He says, no. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, right? He's honest about his situation. And he's humble because he gives credit to God for saving him. Look at his answer. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, who saves him? It says, you preserve your life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies. He doesn't even stop there. He says, and your right hand delivers me. This is humility. This is humility realizing that God has ultimate control in your life. God is the one who ultimately controls things. It's God is the one who saves. It's not chance, it's not people, it's not fate, it's God. And we want to, to approach that God with humility. Now, as this chapter has built up, it's almost been like a ladder where you go up one rung at a time. And it's kind of approached this climax in this very last verse of the psalm. Psalm 138, which reads like this. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. As we look at David's language here again, it's very clear that he is humbly coming before God because he knows that humility leads to worship. I don't know if you're someone who underlines or circles in your Bible, but in my Bible here, I have the word his circled. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. As we start a new year, I know many of us have ambitions. I have ambitions myself. And it's easy sometimes when we come before God to say, God, this is what I want you to do. Go do it. But that's not what it says. It doesn't say the Lord will fulfill your purpose for yourself, right? It says the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. I love the, the last line of this psalm. He says, do not forsake the work of your hands. It's as if we are the clay and God is the potter who is, who is beautifully molding us into the people who he has created us to be. 
But church, the last thing I really want us to get this morning as we think about this, this awesome promise that God will fulfill his purpose for me, that his love endures forever, that God won't forsake the work of his hands. Guys, what I want us to know is that these were not void words for David. Right, so many times we learn about David when we're small. Many of us have learned about David in VBS when we were in kids, when we used to have, before we had PowerPoint and stuff, we had flannel graphs. You know what I'm talking about, right? We, we learned about David and we had David up here. And it's easy sometimes to think about, well, David had his life all put together. But these were not void words for David. I mean, let's think about a couple of the, high, a couple of the points in his life. I mean, 1 Samuel 16 talks about when they were picking the king, right? They're, they're picking who's going to be the king here, and they're coming, and they're looking at David's brothers, and David's out in the field. He's taking care of the animals. Yet God still fulfilled his purpose in David's life, right? The very next chapter in 1 Samuel chapter 17, one of the most well-known chapters about David, right? David versus Goliath. Right, this enemy is coming and they're taunting God. They're taunting, we know this story well. They're trying to figure out who's gonna fight. David comes and they end up putting the king's armor on him, but he ends up going and he goes and he takes the giant down. But why? Not, not to make a good name for himself. But why did he do it? He said, I want them to know that there's a God and he's in Israel. It was God's purpose we could read again in 2 Samuel, I mean, I mean, some people say the Bible is boring. The Bible is not boring. In 2 Samuel 8, you can read about all these military people that David beat. God was fulfilling his purpose for David. But I want you to see this. Although it's easy to focus on the high points of David's life, right? David also had some low points. What about 2 Samuel 11? He should have been out leading his army in battle. Instead, he was looking at an undressed woman, ends up um, making her pregnant, ends up she has a baby. And just like what happens with sin with you or with me, instead of repenting of that sin right away, right? He could have repented of that, but instead he, he took the husband of this man and made him die in battle. And he, he digs deeper and deeper into this sin. And there were consequences for his sin just like there are consequences for our sin today. But church, I want you to know, and I want us to hear this this morning, that the sin that is in our lives, it might scar us, but there is forgiveness in the blood of Jesus. And even the sin in David's life, when he repented of his sin, it did not stop God's purpose in his life. It might have changed his purpose for his own life, but that's not what's supreme. It was God's purpose, and God's purpose is what would prevail. So I urge you today, if there is sin in your life, just like it, it, we read in Psalm 51, repent like David did. Turn from it. But if there's baggage in your life, do not hold on to it. Let go of it and know the promise of Psalm 138.8. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for you. This is not me saying it, this is God's word saying it. How refreshing of a verse to hear on the new day of a new year. But as we close this morning, I want us to hear that God's purpose for David's life went long beyond his time on earth. 
David was like you and me. He was a person. He was a king. He, he lived and he died. But one of God's greatest purposes in David's life came about a thousand years after David died. God's purpose does not stop when we're dead. God's purpose prevails. And one of the greatest purposes in David's life was around a thousand years later when a king was born. He was not born in a palace. He was not born in a sanitary condition. He was born in a stable with dirt and with animals. But I want us to hear it loud and clear today. The reason we know verse 6 is true, that the Lord regards the lowly, is because God became lowly in Jesus. The reason we know that he regards the lowly is he became the lowly. And this, this great, great, great times whatever grandson of David came as a baby. And we know he did not stay a baby, right? We know he lived a life of no sin at all. We know, that the, we know the gospel. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and for mine. We know he didn't stay dead, but God raised him from the dead. And we know that Revelation 19, 16 says that in the future, on his robe and on his thighs, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And that leads us to today. We have a choice. Will we submit to God in humility, knowing that humility leads to worship, or will we start this new year bringing in pride our own agendas before God? It's an option that all of us have to decide. We have seen in this text that God's characteristics are good. He has steadfast love. He is faithful. And his glory is great. But we must decide when we, come, when we come face to face with Jesus, will we come humbly before him and follow Jesus? Or will we turn our backs and run our own agenda? Church, may we be humble. And I urge you in this, not because it's easy to do. This cannot be done on our own strength. That's why in a bit we're going to sing a song that says, Lord, I need you. But the reason I urge you on this is even though I was hired here to be the high school pastor, I don't only care for high schoolers. I care for you. And I know that as we start this new year, the best way that we can start it is to humbly come before God, knowing that our humility toward God leads to lives of worship of God. And I'm excited to see what God will do through our lives this year. To see what God will do through Old North Church as we seek not to make us famous, but as we seek the glory of the Lord to be shown to Canfield, Ohio. May we be a people of humility. Let's pray. God, if, if any of this is going to take place, we admit that we need your help. This does not come natural. This does not come in our nature. If we are going to humbly submit to you, Spirit of God, we pray that you will do in our hearts what we can't do on our own. God, may we accept you as the God of steadfast love and a God of faithfulness and a God of great glory.
And may we start this year, the year of 2017, may we start it with our eyes on you, knowing that our humility toward you will lead the living lives of worship of you. Jesus, we love you and we're so thankful that we get to be part of what you're doing. God, would you make yourself famous this year? And it's in your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen.